New from the Horror Vision Press. Sean C. Baker's Shadowplay Book One, Kim and Jesse. If our reflections woke up, would they hate us? Would they envy our world? Would they try to take it? Two worlds on a collision course and 15-year-old Jesse Roberts is caught in the middle. Shadowplay Book One, Kim and Jesse, is available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Also available, A Collection of Desires, Seven Tales of Modern Horror. These seven tales bring the horror home to our modern world. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Horror Vision Horror Podcast. I'm Sean. I am Anthony. I'm Chris. I'm Ray. And we are still sheltered in place and uh, watching a bunch of shit. And we wanted to bring you a couple um, reviews, recommendations. So we're going to start right off the bat. We're doing this on Zoom. I honestly don't know how much time we have because we schedule for 30 minutes. It's supposed to be 40 minutes. And then sometimes it, they let you go over. But they don't seem to tell you, so I'm just going to get right into it. So as homework, we all watched Travis Stevens' 2018, although it didn't premiere until 2019, uh, film Girl on the Third Floor, which is streaming right now on Netflix for free. And uh, what do you, uh, you guys think? Uh, Anthony, what do you think? Um, it was probably the most terrifying film I'd seen in 20 years. Um, really? No. Oh, <laughs> I was like, wow, you got something from it, I didn't. Dude, I got 40 minutes, and I was like, there's still 50 to go. This is going to be a rough ride. Um, I didn't enjoy it all that much. Okay. Uh, we'll get into why in a minute. Uh, you, Chris, give me your – what would you think? Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to agree with Anthony on it. Like, the first half was incredibly slow. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I genuinely feel like it could have been, you know, a short film instead. Like, mm-hmm. it could have trimmed, you know, a whole lot of fat out of that. Um, you know, it seemed like there was about 30 minutes of CM Punk just walking around patching drywall. Yeah, there definitely was. There definitely was. Yeah. It started to feel a little bit like a uh, home improvement show, didn't it? Dude, you know what was so yeah. funny? Improvement show. All day yesterday, my girlfriend was watching this these property brothers, who are these <laughs> brothers that go to people's They're houses definitely. and and do all this like you know they tear out the drywall and do all the shit blah 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 re- rehab their house to sell it, and I was I'm like oh my god I can't watch one more fucking minute of this I'm like okay I'm gonna go in a room and watch this movie I go in a room start the movie I'm like you got me fucking oh me. no oh my god <laughs> I couldn't believe it I'm like oh wow. Uh, yeah, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for the episode where they find the corpse in the wall. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god. Well, Ray, what 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 do you think? Uh, you know, pretty much the same. Like, it, it was a. I felt like a good start. Like, it felt like if you wanted to treat. It felt like the first episode, kind of, of like a TV series, like a horror TV series. Yeah. Like it was building because I didn't feel like the payoff was enough and. I, I, I kind of like Anthony, where like I was just like, "Oof, when is this gonna get started?" I, there's a lot of the, him just dry, they were putting up drywall, passion holes, and I'm like, "Okay, um, hmm, 
Okay. You know, it, it reminded me a lot. I like, I, I ended up, I, I stopped it in the middle and interrupted the viewing because, because I was, I was thirsty, but also just, I just needed a break from it. I didn't hate it. I think I might've even liked it more than you guys, but I didn't, I was aware that there were things about it that I was like, I didn't know if I was just distracted or, it, you know, whatever. It was slow. That wasn't, I don't know if that was my issue so much. There was like a lot of them setting up what he was doing that just kind of like, okay. Um, it really reminded me of American Horror Story in the end. Thank yeah, you. Murder That's, House. It reminded me of a cross between American Horror Story, just the, the Murder House, but also the in general, the series, the way that they treat ghosts. And then it was kind of like a cross of that and The Shining at the end, where then it's like you get into what the place was and there's ghosts. You know, like in the book, The Shining, there's a lot more of that, like, you know, there the Torrance family's encountering people who were there in the, in the Overlook in the 20s, and there's like a party in the ballroom, and, and there's all these people there that aren't really there, right? It's ghosts, and it's an apparition mm -hmm. of an event. So there, the end of the movie felt like that to me. Um, I, nobody in a, a bear suit blowing a, uh, an old guy in a, in a suit, but you know. Um, you didn't see that part? No, I must have missed it. Uh, but there was... Really the the Chris got the director's cut. Yeah, yeah. Right. there was some... Well, so, okay, so first of all, I definitely think there was some shit edited. Like, the whole end of the movie where, like, it kind of switches perspective to another character, and then she does something that is supposed to, I guess, cleanse the house. And I felt like that was so like, oh, wait, what? Like, I think that there was a lot cut out of that moment. And they ha there was enough for me to understand what had happened, but I felt like there should have been more. However, I, I don't know that they should have tacked it on to what they went with. I think they should have edited from the front and tacked on to the back. And I don't know if that was just because they wanted more footage with Phil Brooks, a.k.a. CM Punk. Um, he's a pretty unlikable fucking character. I don't know anything about him as an actor, so this doesn't reflect on him as a person or an actor he he seems a little bit like rollins light to me like he's obviously probably a rollins fan um not i'm not i don't even mean that as like a criticism i'm just saying like there's something about his persona that reminded me a lot of rollins um he's a straight edge actually yeah i saw that i, I was looking up his tattoos because i saw storm shadow and snake eyes have that um arashikage i'm saying it wrong but the tattoo in gi yeah. joe and he, mm -hmm. I'm like, is that the fucking Storm Shadow tattoo? And so I looked up his tattoos, and it is. Um, yeah, he also had the Cobra logo on him, yeah. too. And, and a Pepsi logo, which I was like, okay, okay well. Well, he's apparently an uh, ex-professional ex yeah. wrestler and a, mm -hmm. and a mixed martial artist, too. Yeah, if, if you look at his IMDb, he's in this. So this is his first lead. He has a small part in, like Anthony brought up to me yesterday, um, the Soska sisters rabbit, which was also last year. And then, um, so it looks like he's going to be doing that more. Um, but everything, all his other credits are wrestling and wrestling. Something I couldn't give a fuck about so. for like, not really having very much of an acting background. You know, I thought he did, he did pretty well with the part. Yeah, he did. You know, there were, you know, some of those kind of, you know, there were some, a lot of issues I thought, but I mean, there was just to do with the writing, you know, where, you know, he did a lot of like, well, why, why the fuck are you doing that kind of thing? Yeah. You know. Just a warning for everybody. From this point on, our conversation goes deeper and deeper into spoiler country for Girl on the Third Floor. So if you're planning on watching this, I think the spoilers aren't going to really make a difference because the strength of the movie is in the visuals and the soundtrack, which we forgot to mention Steve Albini was a part of. But 
you may also want to skip ahead about five minutes. You've been warned. Or just like, okay, this girl killed my dog. Now I'm going to murder her. And Yeah. That, you know, just, okay, you know, you're kind of taking a little overboard, buddy, but sure. I'm wondering if there's yeah. something edited there, too, because I felt like that was such a bizarre, like, sequence of events from that point where I'm like, I feel like something's missing here. Like, they, you know, went from point A to point D, like, where's B and C? Mm-hmm. And that's where I had the issues, too. I think it was more in the writing. It was more in the writing. It was more in the story. I don't think like, it was in the writing. I think, I think it was... I, I don't know, but I have a feeling the script, so the script was written by um, four people, one of which is uh, Travis Stevens, right? So story, Trent Haga, based on a short story by Paul Johnson and Ben Parker, and then Travis Stevens, who's the director. So I have a feeling there's a short story they use as the kernel for the script. Then mm-hmm. they brought somebody in to help suss it out, and then the director punched it up. Because I don't think they had enough to make a feature, like a feature length film. And that's just what it felt like to me. So I don't think it was the writing per se. I think it was the way <laughs> they elongated what they had by doing some kind of filler, which like I get, but I don't know. Shit, we, shit, we, we need some more footage. What do we have, guys? Well, we got about 12 more sheets of drywall. Yeah, right, right. Like, we could show these light sockets a bunch more. Yeah. You know, I, I did uh, really like... There was a body horror element that reminded me. Did you guys ever see a Tales from the Dark Side from the 80s where these people move into an apartment building and one of the rules is you cannot put up pictures with nails? And at some point, they, they're like, fuck this, and they do, and they put the nail into the wall and it bleeds, and it turns out the whole building's alive. So it reminded me of that. It had a, the house had a very Cronenberg kind of body horror feel, especially later on where like there's a part mm-hmm. where like he's pulling out drywall and there's it looks like internal organs inside and stuff. Yeah. I did like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, it was just one of these films where I felt like I'd seen it before and I felt like I'd seen it before better. Fair enough. You know, like I never, I didn't, quite understand the the motivation behind it okay so i get that you know we're delving into some spoilers here i understand that sarah i want to say her name was yeah the apparition this this yeah that she was she was killed in the house back when it was a uh, back when it was a brothel okay i get that but they never really get into explaining the, the 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 weird kind of creature with the half face which was the the best visual in the movie probably and i just wanted to know what it, i think it was supposed to be the little girl that was locked in the closet yes there was a little girl that was in the attic that you know for some reason they would give her a bag of marbles after every time they would do this sex show that didn't involve her. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she's disfigured and... Well, she was killed on train tracks, they said. When did they say that? At some point, that was one of the revelations. But it was done in this really, like, small way. So I kind of expected them to elaborate on it, and they didn't. I was like, oh, I think... I, I don't know. It was weird. But then, like, when her face was destroyed, it looked like... Her, the teeth were like running all through. God, it was so yeah. far. I really yeah, they seem to be zippered up the top of her head. Yeah, yeah. Like they, you could see them all the way along yeah. the top. Uh, they did do a pretty good practical effect with her. Uh, it, it looked pretty, pretty creepy. Um, 
but you know going back to what you said like as far as you know how they handle dead spirits it you know having watched a shit ton of american horror story recently i'm like okay and then even up to you know bits during the ending where it's like this is stolen straight out of mother um i mean there's there's some stuff in there that's just you know it, it it's we're not reinventing the wheel here and, yeah right and yeah. it's Unfortunately, this film's very transparent about where it, it borrows its source materials from. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, you know the writing team just can't, could couldn't put it together beyond a a, a short story. Besides just making it a, a how to guide on, you know how to you know like you said do drywall or minor yeah. electrical work and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it's just do you, it, do, you it, do you have do you have ghost jizz coming out of your electrical sockets? Well, let's I wish. <laughs> You know, yeah. see how he fixes this. Oh, uh, the dog so what was is- the deal with that? What was it, it, was, it, it was supposed to be because it was a brothel? It just yeah. ran heavy with jizz, so now yeah, it's in it. Apparently. I think there's so many places, like, in the film where it could have gone darker. Like, there's a scene upstairs, and, you know, she sees all these people standing around up there. They all should have been beating off, in my opinion, uh, yeah. you know, just to make it a little bit creepier. No, yeah. I mean, no, seriously, you know, just an added element of, like, ew, you know, yeah. something extra. You but, know, yeah. it would have made the ghost jizz make more sense. Agreed. Yeah. You're completely accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay. I, just, well, I don't have much, many ways to make this film better, unfortunately. You know, and, and then there was the uh, the sage-like <laughs> um, pastor lady at the church across the street who kept coming by to say, oh, let's see how things are going, but the never once warning the dude you know, he waits, she waits until, you know, till the wife eventually shows up. And then she says, oh, yeah, I know that, you know, house has a lot of issues for guys. And it's like she knew the whole time, but she still let the stuff happen in there. Yeah. Well, there, there was also an intimation she made at the end that, like, that house was hell and her house was heaven or, like, represented each because she said something like, well, they watch my house and I watch theirs or something like that. Everybody makes yeah. sense. But she, the first thing that happens is she walks over and says, oh, bourbon? Yeah, so to, I feel like she was a catalyst the, for a bad decision. To the recovering alcoholic. Yeah, I mean, not that she could have known that, but they kind of imply that she had a little bit of an omnipotent uh, knowledge of what was going on. She seemed like she yeah. was always like, oh, so how's it going? Wink, wink. You know, like, I you know, I don't know. It, it, was, it was a little muddled insofar as motivations and, and the whole logic. I, I enjoyed the way it looked quite a bit. I would not use that that I forget the name of the font, the Ladybird font, where it looks like wrought iron. I thought that that didn't match the rest of the graphic design. But overall, like I like I really like the title sequence where it just showed different parts of the house. Although I feel like they that kind of bled into them then showing us him working on different parts of the house for a really long time. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, it was. It, you know, I don't know. It was it was good. I don't know that I'd necessarily recommend it, but I, I wouldn't say don't watch it. You know, it's like, oh. Good, 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 good ghosts. <laughs> so, okay, moving along, um, and uh, perhaps going alphabetically again, everybody give me something you've seen. So, uh, Anthony. Boom. The whole wrecked quadrilogy I watched last weekend. That's right. How'd that go? Fucking awesome. I, I am... I'm, Unlike a lot of folks, love part three. So the build up to part three is always great for me. I still love the first one. Second one is you know their their version of Evil Dead Two, where they had a little bit better budget. They were able to really knock it out of the park with that one. Three still fantastic. Four, 
it's definitely, you know, the, the, the downturn to the series. And fortunately that's the last one, but still fantastic ride. I had a great time with that one. It's uh, it's been some time since I watched the, uh, the box set that came out, uh, I think earlier last year via shout mm-hmm. factory. That's one of those like rare shout factory shout outs you're going to get from me, but <laughs> pretty badass it's still fun man still real gory and creepy i I love that fucking series man i love the first two Uh, i i I would not i would like to rewatch three and four in a tight first one and two but i love the first two yeah definitely try it sometime uh chris what about about you um i got around finally to watching one that you guys had already covered um underwater oh yeah yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Right. <laughs> Let's not go spoilers with that one. I still really want to like keep that under wraps. But what do you think of the ending? I mean, that's to me what made it spectacular. The ending it definitely, you know, took it from a, you know, from a C plus to a B minus for me. Um, I still had my issues with it. Uh, it it, it seemed you know once you kind of throw out all of just the scientific implausible logic behind it behind you know behind one being able to walk seven miles on the ocean floor you know at that much pressure you know it's everything would be just completely squished Mm -hmm. you know anything with oxygen in it you know they would almost have to riff on like the abyss and straight have the liquid oxygen that they breathe in order to help with the, the, the pressure. Um, so, but, you know, once you can kind of get over that, it seems like the film jumped around quite a bit. You know, it seemed like, you know, which is understandable. You know, they're not going to make a, a movie that's an hour of people slowly trudging across the bottom of right, the, right. Uh, the ocean. Um, but it just seemed like, like quite often they would head out somewhere, you know, to a destination. And then like one minute later, they're at the destination. Now they're at the destination for about two minutes and then they're leaving again. And it's just like, well, it's, it's jumping around quite a bit. I I think a lot of that had to do with them. Like Ray pointed out when he watched it and we talked about it last time, last episode, like it's really an accelerated, like, thrill run like it just doesn't stop it starts you know right off the bat and they never really let the momentum go so that i have a feeling one thing i did i did really enjoy about it yeah. you know when i first played it you know it starts right there with uh kristen stewart brushing her teeth with an inner monologue and then all of a sudden boom the whole thing's coming yeah. down five I, actually, I actually paused the movie for a second to think like you know did i did i miss something did i hit play like 10 minutes in you know, but no, I didn't. So I definitely appreciated that. Um, there are some more little plot points that I feel could have been bigger in it, especially pertaining to the ending. Mm-hmm. But then they, they kind of downplayed them where it turned into more of the realm of like an Easter egg almost. Yeah, I can you know? see that. I mean, I, I think it was mainly... My interpretation of that is there's probably more stuff at the different locations and more of their struggle from here to there that was cut out to make an accelerated pace because I have a feeling the director knew this is getting, you know, it's premiering in February, which is like a desert month traditionally, right? People aren't really, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have the best title. 
people aren't necessarily going to go see it. So the, the thing is, the people that go see it, get it started right away, keep them riveted to their seat to get to the end for the what the fuck. So they leave the theater and either come back or tell everybody they know, like, go fucking see this. So, well, and, I mean, more so than hopefully there's a sequel, but there won't be. More so the part that I was talking about was, you know, and it's not really a spoiler, you know, I'll just say the two words, you know, Captain's Locker. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I feel like that could have greatly been expanded, but it turns into such like a blink and you miss it that by the time you see the ending, you're like, wait a minute, I got to go back now and watch that. See, you know, I like that about because scene. if they would have had too much more on that, then it would have given away too much. Like, I like that you that just thought... That is true, but I mean, but I mean they, they, they could have done it more, you know, a bit more subtly, I, I think, yeah. you know? As opposed to them basically just spelling it all out for you, but only showing for like, you know, a second and a half tops. I, I you know, I would have preferred if they would have spent a little more time on it, but more in a very subtle manner. You know, so that way you could possibly start to figure it out. I mean, fortunately for me, when I was watching it, I did, you know, see that I wasn't I didn't blink basically when that part happened. So right then and there, it, it, it registered for me. And I had a strong feeling of where the ending was going, you know, mm. and I ended up being correct with it. But I think it just would have been more fun if they would have drawn that out a little bit in a, in a more mild way. Fair enough. You know, but all in all, you know, it was a fun watch. And, um, yeah, it was much better than I thought it was going to be. And kind of in this day and age, that's really the highest praise I can give. <laughs> nice. Ray, what do you got? Well, I recently, uh, re I recently watched, and I kind of seen bits and pieces, but I never sat down and watched the whole things. Um, I watched both the original Fright Night movies, and I really liked them. Really enjoyed the hell out of them. Um, I mean, they're just a lot of fun, and they kind of go with old school vampire conventions, which I really like. Like mm -hmm. um, the fact that not only do crosses work but there's the line in the first movie of when um peter vincent goes up against chris sheridan's vampire character and goes to hold up a cross at him and he says it only works if you have faith mm -hmm. and it it so it doesn't work but when charlie uses it it works um so i like that and i love the inclusion of the ghouls in, ver in both movies uh, both of the vampires have ghouls, and um, so they're they're not human, but they're not vampires. They're like these; they eat bugs, and that's how they subside. And um, familiars, yeah, they protect the vampires during the day. And um, I I love the the way that they did that. And there's a lot of great humor in them. Um, they've got great lines. And the second one, I, I kind of liked it a little bit more because the second one has. Um, not just the vampire that's coming to get Charlie again, this time being the sister, and uh, of course her ghoul, but she also has two other like helpers. She has a werewolf, and she has another vampire, and I love the other vampire. The other vampire, I had to look this up, was this actor named Russell Clark, who was this choreographer, who um, the vampire is a gay transgender vampire on roller skates the entire movie. Wow. And it's 1988, and they had a gay transgender vampire. I was like, come on, man. That's awesome. Oh, like, 
I, I was pretty impressed. Like I, I, I've looked, looking back now, like it's interesting to see how horror has gotten reg, like popular culture to, to uh, try to accept different groups of people by just including them early on in films. Like it just, it's so, I thought it was so cool. And apparently yeah. the actor, um, was diagnosed with HIV when they started, just before they started filming, which back in then they thought was like an instant death sentence. Right. So it was really important to him to be in the film and they just took great care to make sure he was safe and that nothing ever happened during the filming. But yeah, it was, uh, I, they're both a lot of fun. Like the first one you can rent on most places like Amazon Prime and things like that. And um, you can also watch it for free on, I forget what it's called. Whatever the thing for Sony is, Crackle, Crackle, Crackle. and but the second one, it's out of print, but you can watch it totally free on. And I did HD on uh, YouTube. Oh, really? It's a great image. It's fantastic. Like somebody must have just had the Blu-ray and copied it and put it on on YouTube. And I think because nobody owns the rights to it right now, it is on there. But it's yeah, they're both a lot of they're both very entertaining. The second one wasn't, I, I found out wasn't as popular as the first one and it kind of was a de- direct video release. Mm-hmm. And apparently it was because when the films came out, um, when they went to release the second one, the lead actor, I forget who, what his name is, Roddy McDowell, went and the director went to meet with uh, Jose Menendez, who was the lead of the distribution company. Well, that Jose Menendez, if the name sounds familiar, it's because it's that Jose Menendez who that night went home after the meeting and was murdered by his two sons. Oh, really? The Menendez yes. brothers? Oh, my God. Yes. Lyle so the film lost written? pretty much its wide mm. distribution after that and was released only in New York and Los Angeles and then direct-to-video. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it's also the reason we never got a third Fright Night. Like, they, they were actually thinking about making a third one, but after he died, like, everything fell apart. That is insane. I did not. Wow. Okay. I, I did found enjoy, it out, I, too. I was looking I at did enjoy the remake. I wish they would, have, they would have done a sequel to that one. So, I just got the 10-minute warning. So, real quick, I want to do um, – I'm not going to do something I watched. I'm going to do something I'm reading. So – Fangoria is, is, um, has published a few books since they've come back. And so this is Our Lady of the Inferno. The author's Preston Fassel. Now, if, if anyone out there reads Fangoria, you will know him as the writer of a column um, called Corrupt Signals. It's my favorite thing in the magazine by far. I mean, the whole magazine is great. I'm not knocking the rest of the magazine, but I just love his column. But this book is... Man, I'm a little over halfway through. It is really, really good. Um, it's really unique. So it's horror, but it hasn't completely manifested as horror yet. It's following a, pro- a 21-year-old prostitute who basically had to run away from home. They haven't really divulged why yet. Um, but her and her younger sister, who she takes care of. So they have a place on 42nd. It's 1983. They have a place on 42nd Street, the Deuce, which is kind of back then New York, especially in that area, was just kind of slimy. It's all like hookers and like 
porn shops and porn theaters and stuff like that. Not all, but largely. So she is the head hooker in this. They all live in this place, this hotel that's owned by this old Polish guy named the Colonel. And she runs his stable of hookers, but she runs it in this really like every morning they meet for breakfast and they have, she assigns them homework. Like, okay, today read chapter four on the great Gatsby and work on your German. And we're going to, you know, have a test on uh, the planets. And I mean, so she has these really altruistic motivations and really wants to take care of these girls. Her sister who is wheelchair bound stays in their room and she's, she takes care of her just by bringing, bringing her, you know, by taking care of her. She's not also a hooker. And then the other character we've only gotten a little bit of is this woman, Nicolette Astor, who works for this huge city dump. And the way the book opens, there's a prostitute who wakes up having been like beaten or something. And she's in the dump and there's these, this pack of rabid wild dogs that attack her and tear it to shreds. And so then you start to get, the thing that this Nicolette woman who works for the dump is like maybe not entirely human or maybe nuts, but she has this like place in her head where she goes, where there's an altar and and, and she has these accoutrements that she wears like a, a helmet with bull horns soldered onto it and like this armor and shit. And she abducts people and, and throws them in She's got like a minotaur fetish, throws them in the, um, the, the dump and, and lets the dogs chase them. And, it's, and they're, you can see they're going towards some kind of a co collision course, but you don't know why. But it's, man, it is fucking great. Just so well written. And I like literally, like when I pick it up, I blow through 20, 25 pages without even, you know, realizing it. So Preston Fassel, I really think an author to watch. It's just really unique. I've never read anything like this before at all, ever. So fucking fantastic. Nice. Um, we've got about seven minutes left. Uh, anybody got anything else they want to go spit out? Quick review, quick stay away from? Well, I, you know, I, I, I want to send a shout out to uh, Sean, especially during this episode and mention it. Um, a few years back, I don't remember how long ago I had um, you bought me a book called uh, oh. My Best Exorcism. And um, I just started reading it this week and I'm about, uh, I'm at least two thirds through, but it's really enjoyable. Um, it's, you know, the cover. Oh, actually, right here. Grady Hendrix, My Best Friend's Exorcism. Uh, yeah, that cover is one of the things that got me to like. It's just a gorgeous fucking cover. It's a cool cover. And, but what's great is that the person, whoever wrote the review your book page on the cover, it says, if the exorcist had been authored by Tina Fey instead of William Peter Blatty, it might have borne an uncanny resemblance to what Grady Hendrix has accomplished with my best friend's exorcism. Yeah. yeah. It's, there's so much. It's like, it almost feels like a teen movie. Um, there's so much about these, this friendship between these two girls and how they met and everything. And then one of them one night uh, out in the summertime. Which is the creepiest scene. It's one of the creepiest scenes in the book, dude. It's so fucking creepy. She goes to that like, shack that's on the edge of the property. Oh, my God. It's so weird. It's done really well. lost in the woods the whole night, and they're all looking for her. And her friend can't find her. And then suddenly she reappears, doesn't know where she's been, and can't remember the night. And after that, starts acting really strange. Yeah, and it's 
it's very enjoyable. It's a lot of fun. So yeah, it's it's a it's a great book. What what anybody else? Somebody else give me one. Good 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 call, Rick. Um, I am very happy that uh, what we do in the shadows is finally back. Yeah, it's back. Where it started its second season. I think it's about three or four episodes in. Um, by the time this airs, could not be better. I'm very very happy with this season. Um, I can tell that it its reputation has gotten out there that it is a very smart, very funny show because now it seems like they are starting to get a, a lot more uh, little one-off cameos mm-hmm. from some bigger names. Um, hilarious. Good, good. I need to do that at some point. I really need to watch the movie again and uh, not fall asleep. No fault of the movie at all. Uh, and then go into the series. Anthony, you got something as a last-minute throw-out? Mortal Kombat Legends Scorpion's Revenge is an animated film just came out. Um, it's just nothing but eyeballs and intestines and bone crunching shit. It's awesome. It's Mortal Kombat in animated form. And it's just blood soaked fucking heads and limbs flying everywhere. Love it. Good shit. Nice. <laughs> is it the first uh, Mortal Kombat like animated film? Yep. Hmm. I wonder. Dread. Sounds like there might be more. I really, I don't know anything. Like, I, since I'm not really a gamer, but I, I know through you and just kind of an undercurrent in the culture because it kind of runs parallel to horror. Uh, some of the sites cover, you know, Mortal Kombat happenings. Um, it, it seems like there's a bit of a resurgence. So, I mean, I'm wondering if there might be more. That's pretty cool. It's all knuckles and chunks. I love it. N- knuckles and chunks. That maybe we might change the name of this podcast for that, man. Does um, Lamb Bear come back as a? Uh... As Raiden again? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Um, uh, I should be the name of a horror-themed burger stand. Knuckles nice. and Chokes. I'm going to throw out, lastly, um, I, I want to put to you guys, I don't want to talk about it right now, but I'm, I'm one movie away from finishing a full Phantasm rewatch, and I feel like we could do a whole show on that. Um, oh, so if anybody wants to, you know, dive into that at some point, but it's it's fantastic, and I'm about to watch five for the second time. I saw it premiere at Beyond Fest a couple years ago, and I didn't like it at all. I have a feeling I'll like it better this time. I also still think it's going to still be the weakest in the series, but three and four I hadn't seen in years. If I'd ever seen one of them, I'm pretty sure I didn't see. I don't know. Um, but I really enjoyed them. So it's just been really, really fun. They're all, well, two is hard to come by, but the, the rest are on Shutter. Joe Bob did them in 2018 as a Christmas marathon. He did one, three, four, and five. Yeah, I was going to say I saw one and three that way, but I still yeah. haven't seen two because I, I, it is hard to come by. Well, he jokes that he won't play it because of they destroy the Hemikuda, but I think Anthony and I talked about this. The rights are like, in limbo. So I think they actually probably couldn't acquire the rights and, and he just, you know, kind of gave his own little spin on why he wasn't showing it. So, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Joe Bob's back. So that's what I've been doing every Friday night. And it's been fucking great. Uh, except for blood sucking freaks, which still, ah, still sucks in my opinion. Ray, Ray, you're a much painful. better. It's, it's all, I can't believe you went back and in, in several, several installments watch it all because it's shit but anyway. i did i watched the whole thing i'm such oh. a completist that i wanted to see so I, bad. chopping mall was a good time yeah i still haven't watched maniac i watched i did a rewatch uh of his uh, he played heathers the other night yeah but fucking freaks it's so hard to get through it is such trash it is, yeah, it is. just i'm un- 
We're renting garbage. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I don't even understand why. <sighs> okay, so for the Horror Vision Horror Podcast, I'm Sean. I'm Chris. I am Anthony. And I'm Ray. <laughs> Good night and Godspeed. I get it. You're a Metallica fan through and through.